welcome to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Waters. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Mike Barber of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Mike and I talked about the ACC's decision to add Stanford, California, and SMU. What do those schools bring to the ACC? How will it work in terms of schedules and travel? Will they keep other schools from leaving the ACC, or do they offer insurance for the league's future? Well, welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. And uh, we're expanding our horizons today. This isn't just about basketball. And I guess that's kind of a apropos turn of phrase in terms of expanding horizons, because the reason we're here today is to talk about the ACC expanding its horizons with the vote this morning to uh, add SMU, Cal, and uh Stanford. <laughs> I'm, I'm having trouble. And to talk about it, I brought in uh, a friend of mine, a guy who knows the ACC inside and out, Mike Barber of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. And Mike, um, I reached out to you this morning and we, we <laughs> talked briefly before starting the recording. Um, just uh, some real crazy times here in college athletics and the ACC. Yeah, it really is. And, and we were joking, you know, sometimes it feels to me like they're trying to just do the stupidest thing possible to blow it up, to get us to the point where we finally agree that football needs to be yanked out of the equation, right, and, and get back to regional conferences. And it almost feels like every move is like outstupiding the one before it, other than the fact that until today, all of these moves have made a lot of sense in terms of dollars and cents. Uh, this one, I'm still not sure about the calculations there, which is one of the big questions. Um, but in the past, it's been... Hey, this is a money grab. We're doing this. And everyone kind of sits there and goes, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? But what about this? And then the presidents of whatever league is doing it says, yeah, but look at the money. And there, there's no counter argument uh, to that in, in a realistic world. <laughs> All right. We're going to get to what you suggested there, that eventually football gets just taken out of the equation. I had that written down, but let's go back to the beginning here this morning. The ACC presidents have been hashing out this whole idea of admitting Stal, Cal and Stanford and SMU for a while, all of a sudden, I guess they got enough votes. Um, one of the four holdouts flipped. Why do you think we got here? Yeah. Well, I think, Mike, first of all, uh, these are busy people. These are serious people. Whatever you think about them individually, uh, they've got a lot going. They don't waste their time. So the fact that they've been hammering at this for another week says th they, A, knew they could get it done, and B, felt, for whatever their reasons are, that it had to get done for the long-term health and stability of the conference. Uh, so that's number one, is even though we may be wishful thinking, when it seemed to die, we threw some dirt on it and and, and tried to move on. Um, it, it's it's Thriller from, from Michael Jackson. It's coming back out of the ground. And um, But I think if, if you're inside the ACC, uh, they never gave up on this. They always felt that somebody could flip into their corner. Uh, it, it certainly appears to be North Carolina State. Uh, we saw the, the email. I think a bunch of us got that email last night from North Carolina's Board of Trustees that made it very clear that it's not the people in Chapel Hill flipping. Uh, certainly, we've heard from Florida State very outspokenly. Uh, Clemson seems unlikely. So certainly, and I'm sure that that is what the ACC felt like, that they had an argument there to, to turn somebody and to get this done. Uh, sources have told multiple outlets that SMU has agreed to give up nine years <laughs> of television revenue, which that's staggering in its own right. So somehow they made the numbers work. 
I don't know if you watch Succession on HBO, but Absolutely. there's a there's a whole thing in the last season about fudging numbers and being over optimistic on estimates to get deals done, and it it, it feels like maybe uh, Logan Roy was pulling some of these strings in this one. And we'll have to figure out which school is Kendall and which one's uh, Rome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, good, good analogy there. And I am a succession fan. Great show. Why do you think Stanford, Cal, and SMU are an answer here for some of the folks in the ECC? What do these schools really add? Yeah, I, I thought you were going to stop right after why. <laughs> it's just, it's just a, a fair way of looking at this whole topic. But yeah, it's a good question. My gut tells me that the academic reputations of Stanford and Cal made them palatable to the presidents. And the addition of three schools that are real and exist <laughs> made them attractive because of the idea of stability, of strength in numbers. Um, you know, everybody says, okay, well, but look what the Pac-12 was a viable Power Five conference not that long ago, mm -hmm. Mike. Right? Like I haven't had a haircut since the days when they were a viable conference, and they're gone. And I think if you're the ACC, you were shaking in your boots a little, saying if it can happen that quickly, and we know that Florida State's looking because they made it public, and we have to assume that Clemson's looking because they're in a better position to look than Florida State. And they're and, way too quiet. They're the right. opposite of Florida State. Oh, Clemson was smart because they said Florida State could say everything we think. And now we look classy and committed until the moment we are on our way out the door. And, you know, we're in the Mayflower trucks heading out of Baltimore overnight. And um, But no, I, I do think that it, it is strength in numbers. The idea that you add these schools and when something inevitably happens, you got to remember, not enough people have talked about this. Every school had their lawyers plunge into the grant of rights. And it was a big topic for a week. Everybody's lawyers are plunging in. And then we never heard anything back. And you got to wonder if some of what the ACC heard back was, hey, 2036 is irrelevant. You know, by 2028, this is affordable. Or by 2030, this is, it, it just feels like this move is they knew something dreadful was on the horizon and they're trying to strengthen themselves so that whatever shape they're in, they're still here uh, after the meteor hits, for, for lack of a better term. I've had a number of Syracuse fans, and obviously some of this is going to have a little geography and, and a history bent to it. This isn't something I think a fan of a North of North Carolina would say. But some Syracuse fans have asked me, how come the ACC didn't add Yukon, uh, Temple, even a South Florida? You know, how come we're not doing more regionally uh, cohesive additions and and you know why did they go this far afield i mean stanford is a better fit for the league in terms of its athletic department stanford is one of the best athletic departments in the country um, when you think about olympic sports non-revenue i mean they're they're a phenomenal broad-based athletic department a great academic institution they fit for a lot of reasons with the big caveat being there's a whole chunk of America between the ACC and Stanford, so it doesn't make a lot of uh, sense. I'll be honest. I, I don't think it makes sense. To me, it feels a little bit like you have a car and you're like, I don't know if I've saved up enough money to buy a new car. And then you walk by the lot and the sleazy used car salesman pulls you in. And next thing you know, you buy this jalopy that you didn't really need. 
and you get home and you say, well, I had enough money to buy something better, but I don't know. This guy talked me into it. I got caught up in the, it feels like, and again, these are smart people, right? Yeah. These aren't guys. They just pulled off the set of jackass. They just catapulted into manure and, and now they're leading universities. These are smart people who know what they're doing, but it feels like they got caught up in the moment and okay, these schools are available. We think we need schools for stability. Let's do it. Instead of saying we need schools for stability, which schools do we want? I always try to remind myself in these situations, I don't know what I don't know. So when these presidents are making moves, and like you said, these are smart people. Um, they didn't get to where they are by by doing dumb things or making dumb decisions. So I have to think that there's stuff out there that they know that guys like you and me aren't aware of yet. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And that's what I mean, starting with the grant of rights. Um, I, I really believe that the projections that they got, because there's, uh, the grant of rights does run through 2036, and, and not to get into but it binds the TV revenue, obviously, for the schools to the ACC through that year. Uh, there's also an exit fee for leaving the conference, but it, it's economics, it's business. You, you do the math every year and say, if the Big Ten is going to pay me this, and I have to give up this, there comes a point on that scale where what you're giving up matches what you're gaining and if that's where you want to be and it's not 2036 mm. right it, it's it's and it may, it may be much sooner and that's the, the sense i get it's exactly your point right there's stuff we don't know behind the scenes that they must have felt like the acc is in jeopardy it needs to be fortified mm. and this is our best chance to for because from everything we're hearing it doesn't bridge the revenue gap this isn't a game changer there the schools who are against it two of them, you know, Florida State and Clemson, the whole idea is to get some money to give them in those performance bonuses. Well, if they're against it, that tells you right there what you need to know about the financial impact, that it's not enough to move their needle. Um, so there must be something on the horizon coming that the ACC said, we do it now, or we'll find ourselves uh, in the same graveyard as the Pac-12. I think you're absolutely right. Because as you mentioned there, if this, I don't think this is a move to appease Florida State and Clemson and 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 convince them to stay, because yeah. if it was going to appease them, they would vote for it, right? Right. Not yeah. vote for. So this is obviously a vote to shore up the ACC's future after their impending departures. That's exactly how it feels, right? Because and, if you're and, saying and Stanford and Cal and maybe even SMU, they won't be available in four or five years from now when uh, Florida State and Clemson leave. Right. No, you have to get it done now if that's where we're headed. Mm -hmm. And of course, we don't know that for sure, but that's certainly what this feels like, right? Um, if this was a game changer financially, it would have been universally voted for. Because the sense I get about Clemson anyway is Clemson would love to stay in the ACC if it's economically feasible. They see the gap widening. They see it harder and harder to compete. But if that goes away... The ACC is a much easier path to the college football playoff than fighting through the SEC or the Big Ten. So the only reason you're, uh, to me, that's number one, right? It's 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 always been the number one with Notre Dame. You don't move Notre Dame unless you can leverage them, say, hey, you want access to the college football playoff, join the Big Ten, join the ACC, whoever it is. Um, so to me, Clemson wants the ACC to be economically viable. They voting against, they're voting against this addition tells me that the economics here doesn't add up to at least you know their accountants. You know, you're right there in Virginia, right there in Richmond, and every once in a while we'll hear, well, if Florida State and Clemson might be courted by the SEC, 
Virginia and North Carolina could be targets of the Big Ten. Have you been hearing a lot of that? And what? how much validity do you put to it? I, I think it's 100% valid in terms of we don't know what's going to happen. And if things start shaking and quaking like they do every other week at this point, yeah, I think Virginia and Carolina make good sense uh, for the Big Ten in terms of their academic profile, in terms of some other things. And um, can Virginia compete? you know, football-wise in the Big Ten. Well, they haven't been that successful competing in the ACC. So, um, you know, but as my alma mater knows, sometimes you go to the Big Ten, even when you have a pretty good sense, you might not be able to compete. I went to Rutgers, and, you know, when everybody, when they announced that, you know, me and my friends, we weren't like, oh, wow, you know, five years we'll be winning Big Ten titles. We were like, oh, well, we're just going to get our butts kicked every Saturday now. Um, So, you know, a lot of that, you know, doesn't make sense. But if pieces start moving, yeah, Virginia and Carolina to the Big Ten makes sense. Mike, here's the question. If you're Virginia, what happens to Virginia Tech? Uh, How do you feel about splitting those two? And and we know from past expansion that the governor in Virginia got involved and and wanted to make sure those schools stuck together. You know, what's going to happen? We're well aware of that in the Big East. I was just going to say, yeah, as an old Big East guy, uh, we live that. And and then it's the same thing when you, you know, you think about Carolina and Duke. How do you split Carolina and Duke? But again, as an old Big East guy, how do you split Syracuse and Georgetown? I mean, they <laughs> they do it. So um, to me, yes, it makes sense if the pieces are moving that that could be landing spots. The Not the biggest question, but it's a question that's going to be out there for a while here. Um, and I don't know when we'll find a real answer for it. It's the impact on the student athlete, particularly as it comes to travel. And when I'm not worried about football teams. Football teams play only one day a week. It's usually on a weekend, and they're going to charter. But how is the ACC going to manage the travel issue with its non-revenue slash Olympic sports when they're trying to get the Syracuse women's field hockey team out to Stanford or they're you know trying to get the Boston College soccer team down to SMU? Yeah, I mean, one, it doesn't work. But the plan, from what we're hearing, is to do these pods, to to play in Dallas and to say, okay, Stanford and Cal are going to come to Dallas and uh, a couple teams are going to go out and they'll knock out a bunch of games. And it it just, yes, that works. You can do that. You can play it pod style. And but now you're giving up home games for student athletes. Right. Like and I, I just don't we have to stop pretending we care about student athlete welfare if we're going to go this route. Yeah, right? I'm about sick of it. Yeah, just the own next it. time I'm at the NCAA tournament and, and and somebody some NCAA suit starts to talk about it, I mean, I'm going to turn into John Feinstein in the back of the room. Yeah, you know, because it's always you know John Feinstein's the best guy to sit next to ever at a professor <laughs> at the tournament. Um, the whole student athlete thing. So, no. well, and just you just own it at some point. Yes. At some point, you have to own it and say, hey, this is terrible for student-athlete welfare, but we think we have to do it to save the league, and then we're going to do what we can to mitigate the impact. A little honesty, to me, goes a long way. Instead of, it's you know, it's like oh, student-athlete welfare is the most important thing. Well, you're obviously lying to our faces because this doesn't make any sense. And, you know, it, it's it's why what I mentioned earlier, the idea of of breaking football out and getting back to conferences that are regional and make sense. I'm glad you, you're bringing us full circle back. So this whole idea about eventually we're going to see f- just football as a sport break away some sort of entity unto itself. 
do you really think that's going to happen? And, and like, how how far down the line do you, do you think that happens here? I think there there are two camps out there when you talk to administrators off the record because nobody wants to put their name on it uh, on the record. There, there's the group that thinks um, this has to happen. This is the way to save college athletics, to get things back to manageable. And then there's the group that believes it's going to be forced upon them. It really feels like there's two groups that both believe this is coming, um, either because the Big Ten and the SEC essentially form two super conferences, an NFC and an AFC, and then they play in their college Super Bowl, and and you've got to either be in or be out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what happens to all the other sports, and how does that make sense? Uh, and you know that's the group that believes it's going to be forced upon them. And then there's a group that believes, hey, that's the answer that makes the most sense, is you're in whatever conference you're in for football, you're able to send that money back to your athletic department. And yeah, if your football team's in the SEC and your regional conference pits you against somebody who's not, you've got an advantage. But there's mismatches and advantages right now. And I think it'd be fine if you're going to have them anyway. Let's have them with regional conferences that make sense. Let's have them where families can see their kids compete. Let's have them where regional rivals play each other. Um not going across the country or going to a pod. And I mean, gosh, I mean, you were for the NCAA tournament when they had it in Indianapolis, right in the pod for the whole thing. And that was great. It was a great job by them to get the event done, but that was no atmosphere. That's not what you want. And is that what we're going to head to in the regular season? Because field hockey can't be flying all over the country on Thursday night. So let's get them all together in, in Dallas or Chicago, whatever it is. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. It might make sense in terms of uh, reducing the travel a little bit, but you know what it doesn't solve is missed class time. No, you're still if, flying. You're still, and you're still in Dallas for four days instead of going to Dallas for two and then California for two or whatever, and then back home. Uh, kids are still going to be off their campuses for extended periods of time. And that's not what college is supposed to be about. No, and you know, I talked to, and, and, I don't know if they want their names on the record. I talked to a couple athletic directors in the Sun Belt, um, and they've got a couple far outposts there. They, they've got Arkansas State, they got Texas State, and, and they talked about all the great things they do to help make it better. They say, you know, we've got tutoring, and we've got tutors going on flights and going on trips, and we've got deals with schools out in Arkansas and Texas where if there's an exam, we have a professor who can proctor it on staff there, and we reciprocate. And I said, that's great. You're doing all this great work for a problem that you created. Like, we, you shouldn't have this problem. Your kids should be taking their exams in their class on their campus. They should be studying in their rooms. And yeah, are there times when it's going to happen? Of course. And it's great that you, but the idea that you just accept this hardship and then scramble to find solutions, it, it just, it just doesn't match the college model, which of course is, is dying. So the three newcomers. Cal, Stanford, and SMU will begin play in the ACC a year from now, which is crazy to think of. They'll be part of the men's basketball schedule and all the other schedules and, and everything that uh, in, in one year's time. Again, crazy to think of. How soon, what year of the ACC tournament is the year when we show up and Clemson and Florida State and uh, maybe one or two other schools aren't there? So 2028 has always been the year I've targeted. Um, I was not a math major. I did not study economics. That was very fudgy math, <laughs> kind of going through and say, okay, at this point, 
if these numbers hold, this makes sense. Now, Mike, here's the thing that throws everything into flux. A lot of people in the industry believe that the next round of television contracts aren't going to be these massive deals that we see the Big Ten and the SEC have. And now what's going to happen to athletic departments that signed on for some extra money? The extra money amount is going down, but these travel costs they incurred, they're still going to be there. There's a huge bubble that could burst in the next few years uh, when these TV contracts come. I think the Big 12 is the next one to renegotiate, and there's a lot of talk. Will the Big 12 leapfrog the ACC and become the number three league off the back of this contract? Well, maybe, or maybe they'll be the first one to experience like when the housing market busts, right? When that bubble bursts. It may be that the Big 12 comes to the table and all the TV networks say, hey, man, between streaming and all these options, we're not paying what we used to pay. And then you're going to see a absolute heart attack in the Big Ten and the SEC with operating budgets that are based on this massive TV revenue if they find out, hey, that money's going down. And they're going to start booting and jettisoning some of these schools that they've added because now they've got a smaller pool that they're going to be sharing the money. It's There is so much unknown because of we don't know where TV contracts are headed that it is hard to speculate. But as I sit here, if you gave me an over-under, I'd say 2038. Uh, would be the year that I start seeing um, the ACC crumble if this deal doesn't hold it up. You know what? It's it's a good number, interesting number. And but here's the thing: like you were alluding to there, that's your date is five years down the road. And if this television bubble bursts, who knows where we are in five years' time? The ACC may not crumble because the SEC may not have the appetite to add anybody. Uh, Florida State can't leave the ACC and go to the SEC if the SEC doesn't extend an invite. Yeah. So who knows where we And I think that's right now might be the ACC's big advantage in all this. They've got time. They do. and And that's what this deal is supposed to buy them. It's supposed to buy them the stability to last till we see where this is going. And I had a source who told me, hey, we were having this almost exact conversation and he said, Hey, check back with me in five or six years. The ACC TV contract might not look that bad. It might be close to the going rate for a TV deal because those numbers, a lot of people predict are coming back, coming back to earth, coming back down. And that ACC deal that everybody loves to bang on because it was below what the big 10 and the SEC, it may end up being par for the course and where everybody ends up. Interesting stuff. Well, we're going to try to publish this podcast as soon as we can so that it's relevant, because if we wait too long. (laughs) uh, So, Mike, thank you so much for for jumping on the line here on short notice. It's always great talking to you. I can't wait to see us on on a sideline or a press room somewhere next season. And uh, again, safe travels to you throughout football season, man. Thank you. It's going to be nice to get back to covering some competition and some athletes and get out of all this business stuff. Go have at it. We'll see you now. Thank Thank you, Mike. I want to thank Mike for joining me on the podcast today. And thanks to you out there as well for listening in. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and follow all of our complete coverage of Syracuse basketball on Syracuse.com. Until next time on the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, I'm Mike Waters.